0: I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Yay! It's the
1: end of this year.
0: We made it! almost.
1: Uh, Did we, though?
0: We did. Yes, I want to apologize for not being more regular in the last few weeks in terms of putting content, but... I had an, i had a patient <laughs> sarah had a patient she had two tens too let's see. yeah what are we at wow okay this is our ninety fifth episode
1: <gasps> yay that's so I exciting that. mm-hmm. I know that's really crazy um ninety
0: five <laughs> i know <laughs> that's so many i wanna thank like you to 95. Molly. <laughs> i was um sequestered in my own home yes. because my husband <laughs> had covid he was like moderate symptoms and he's fine now and i tested negative which is amazing yay but i was worried about getting my christmas shopping done and you made it happen for us thank you for all your help and i had
1: fun while i did it <laughs> you're very welcome yeah i had a good time those guys are really cool um i stopped at scoop drip if you guys haven't been there it's a really cool little spot right on Millbury Street and they've got like tons of dope streetwear and like sneakers like wrapped in plastic wrap and really fun snacks like from Japan and Mexico and stuff. The people I met there were also just really lovely. So
0: were the presents were the gifts of success.
1: A success?
0: Yeah. Yes. Big success.
1: Good. I had Molly pick up
0: some sweatshirts from the Worcester designer Vance Mac. Um, and his brand is McAdoo.
1: Yeah. And the colors are, you know, not just, they're not just like, Oh, like, you know, black, white, gray, they come in some really cool colors too.
0: Yeah. He said every piece is like (sighs) a story based on somebody he's watched in Worcester, like people watching. So I got this yellow sweatshirt with red print on it. And he said it was inspired by this girl. He saw wearing a yellow dress and red lipstick. And I was like, I love that. All the clothes have a story. That is cool. That is very cool. All right. Oh, my God. I just realized. So, Sarah,
1: I don't know if you noticed this, but this I'm using Zoom and I use Zoom for school. And I just noticed that my name on Zoom is Miss O'Connor. I saw.
0: <laughs> What's up, Miss O'Connor? I just
1: changed it. It's been a, it's been an interesting year. Like, I mean, we're going to be obviously it's been an interesting year. But we are going to be focusing on, you know, a lot of pop culture stuff. But even in that sense, it's been like kind of odd just because of the way that the industry that produces this stuff has had to change, right?
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if people immediately tackle COVID or if they wait a few years when we're like ready to see people in masks again. (laughs) Succession has decided not to include COVID in their next season.
1: Right. Like, well, so Superstore, which is on NBC which is a show that I really love. It's just about like a bunch of people who work at like a Walmart type big box store in St. Louis, Missouri. And it deals with a lot of ordinary day-to-day stuff. Um, and it deals with labor issues and stuff like that. It's a sitcom. It's like very. It's like a workplace sitcom. It's very funny. But they, coming into this season, were like, these are essential workers. There are some things where I'd be like, please don't do COVID, right? Like some some, you don't want to bother like please don't try to deal with this um and that was a show that I remember thinking like I would like to see their perspective because um they're in like season four or five now and they have had like historically like a pretty good record of dealing with stuff like that pretty well um and they are doing all right it's been interesting though like that was one that really they jumped into it all right let's start with tv
0: right yeah let's start tv And I did realize when I went back through my list, how much TV I have opted for this year over movies. I haven't watched as many movies as I thought I had.
1: Obviously, no one's going to the movies. So then a lot of movies that were going to go to theaters went to streaming in addition to movies that maybe already were going to go to streaming. So in addition to movies that like maybe Netflix or Hulu had picked up for distribution, then on top of that, you had something like Wonder Woman 84, which they just like dropped on HBO Max. But yeah, I think that I would agree. I think that I watched a ton of movies, but not a ton of movies from this year. And that was just because like there weren't as as many, right? Like it was just like the quantity was not really there.
0: Right. And the quality of television now is such that it rivals film. For sure. So what was your first pick?
1: I was thinking about like, just like the type of TV that people were wanting to watch this year. So the Great British Bake Off did a season, they filmed a season over the summer. So normally the way that they do that show is that they film it over weekends. And so people can go back to their normal lives during the week. And they come back to the tent every weekend for like however many weeks in a row. And they all the producers and whoever got together, they were like, you know, I think people really need this show right now. (laughs) Um, you know, it brings people joy and it makes people feel calm. And so they decided to do it. And they, they made their a bubble at the tent, which is where, where they do everything. So they made a bubble of the whole production, including, you know, the hosts and the judges and the contestants, and they did a season. And it was really just, it was the right thing. Like, you know, that show is normally, and I think people talk about it in a way where it's delightful and it's just a pleasant experience. But I think that they did say you know they were like oh yeah we're all here together you you know normally they don't live together and that kind of stuff so they didn't like pretend it wasn't happening but it was also a season that ended up the you know the cast to the contestants were just awesome like extra great I don't know if maybe we just like loved them more because of whatever was happening but it was also just weird um Noel Fielding has been hosting for a couple years and he's like a gentle goth is how I would describe him Matt Lucas joined this year Sandy Tolstoy retired from the show and he Brought a lot to it because you could just tell he was really happy to be there. He was so excited to be hosting the Great British Bake Off. It ended up, it was just like a really nice little slice of British delight.
0: I watched the episode starring the Dairy Girls for a Christmas special. And that's another one of our our, our favorites. The Dairy Girls are a group of ramshackle teens surviving the Irish independence. in Free they- Dairy. And so they live in an area of quite fraught politics. Yes, in the eighties, it was bizarre to see them out of character. Katana, right, they have these organic friendships, which is really nice. It was really cool. I think
1: the the most jarring was Sister Michael, who is the head like the headmistress of their school, right? Their Catholic school, and she's really like wild in real life. <laughs> so I really, yeah, I enjoyed that too. But well, if you're looking for something that's just gonna make you Feel real chill. King <laughs> How about you, uh, Sarah?
0: Our friends across the pond. My number one pick is Normal People, which is based yes. on a novel by Sally Rooney. It's about some young Irish lovers. The main character, his name is Connell, which obviously struck a chord with me since that is my maiden <laughs> name. But he's got yeah. this chain and he's just like the sexiest man on television. <laughs> That's what I've heard have I have been saying. they great chemistry. I don't like his face that much. Oh, I love him. I think that he's just like so silent and yet expressive. And they have a pretty dysfunctional romance. But it's one that will be familiar, I think, to most people that have survived their 20s.
1: <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, not like sudsy in like a soap opera way. But like, you know, it had the drama. But it was also like very, very moving. Just a beautiful story. Did you read the book too? I read Sally Rooney's other book. And she's a young, she's like Ari, right? She's like a really young person. Yes. For someone she's... who's like had the level of success that she has.
0: A <laughs> work of hers that I read over the summer was Conversations with Friends. And the characters are, again, finding themselves. They're like very presumptuous 20-somethings who think that they're all brilliant in their own right and they realize <laughs> just how much they have to learn.
1: Uh-huh. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like she really, um, you know, strikes a chord with a certain time, right? Like in, in people's lives. Yeah. What was your next pick? Fabulous. So The Good Place ended um, this spring. So like the first part of the season aired in 2019, but I'm counting it as 2020 because the, the final, I think it was like four episodes aired, including the series finale aired earlier this year. I think in like March. This show, oh my gosh. I cried <laughs> and cried. But um, if you're not familiar with The Good Place, Kristen Bell plays a woman who dies. And like in the first episode, this is not a spoiler, it's literally the plot of the show. And she she gets to the like the good place. Ted Danson is like, welcome, you're in the good place. And then she's like, I don't belong here. And then it kind of goes from there. All of this stuff happens. And the show ended up really being just like a, a beautiful story about what it means to like be a human person and to be alive and to be good or to be bad. And the crux of it that like they really kind of, call like call back often is like what do we owe to each other? I
0: have um, not and, watched the show. You know, How many seasons would I have to catch up on?
1: It's only four seasons and some of them are not super long. And it's you know it is a comedy. Like it's it's wonderful. But it also like really just it's it's so brilliant and moving. Um and I think it's a, I think it is difficult a lot of the time for any show, but it's, I think especially sitcoms have a hard time ending, right? Like doing a finale and they they had planned it purposely like this wasn't a sudden thing they said okay like we're going into the fourth season as the last season which I think helped a lot very satisfying and very moving and I think it ended perfectly and sort of wrapped itself up in a way that
0: felt right I had heard it compared to Shit's Creek's finale where people talk about just how hard it is to end something that has existed for a long time and people are in love with the characters. You know, how do you tie it up with a pretty little bow at the end? Yes, so they did such a good job too. My runner up, and we've picked two for each category, it appears on nearly everyone's year end list, <laughs> The Queen's Gambit. And it is a show starring Anya Taylor-Joy, who I also really loved in the movie Emma, the adaptation of Emma that was created this year. And she's this chess wonderkin who's living in boarding house, what we call it. Oh, yeah. The boarders. is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like an orphanage. An essentially. orphanage, essentially. And she strikes up this friendship with the custodian at the school. He teaches her how to play chess. And she just... Takes off. Her career is incendiary. But she also has a lot of issues
1: stemming from partly her mother, but also partly in the 19, it's like the late 50s at this orphanage. And so they give the children like tranquilizer pills. And so that kind of also starts her on a path.
0: Yeah. And she doubts her own abilities. Like, can I access the parts of my brain that make me good at chess? Or is it the medication? Or do I need this? The one disconcerting part for me was one of the male leads is that kid from love actually? oh my God, <laughs> man, he's so hot, like, and I kept thinking like, I just can't take you seriously, <laughs> but her coat's
1: made up for it, yeah, so I was watching it. He's so hot and he's super he's like skinny and lanky and has this like stupid facial hair and I couldn't I was like what is the deal here like I could not get over it I was like he's like he's like so cool (laughs) I kept waiting I was like watching I was like oh my god (laughs) yeah I love him now (laughs) it turns out but I don't think it's always the case like he played Jojen Reed on Game of Thrones and I was like no it's the same kid like that's him but then I saw him in this and I was like oh my god (laughs) um the other thing I love about the Queen's Gambit is that it is the most British American show that I've ever seen And I know that part of that is because it was mostly filmed in Europe, even though it takes place like primarily in Kentucky. Um, And a lot of the actors are European doing American accents, the pacing of it and the look of it. Like it was very British to me, which is a compliment. I think one of the other male leads is Dudley Dursley. Their performances are really wonderful. So you are able to like take yourself out of that. But I did. Yes. I thought that was funny in the show. This is such like a, of the time thing where like, I, I noticed you just did it too. In the show, she talks about how she was taught chess by the janitor. And every time she said that, I was like, he's the custodian. <laughs> Which is so funny, right? Like it's such like a modern, like now we they are custodians, right? Like that's their, but like in the night, in the fifties and sixties, like they were just like, that's the janitor.
0: Oh, what a great show. So what was your top pick right. for movies in 2020?
1: This is going to sound crazy because it is a heart it's a harley quinn movie but my favorite movie i think like from this year that i have seen is called birds of prey it's not like i wouldn't say that it's a sequel to suicide squad but it's like a companion film and suicide squad is awful actually basically all the dc universe movies are awful batman versus superman Dawn of justice is like the worst movie i've ever seen so the dc universe is all of the movies that involve batman superman um What's that guy's name? Aquaman. I was like, Waterman? Aquaman, <laughs> Wonder Woman, all those movies. And so this film is related because Harley Quinn is a Batman villain. And so they kind of branch her off from Suicide Squad and give her her own film. And part of that is like Margot Robbie plays her. I remember watching Suicide Squad and being like, she's giving this movie so much more than it deserves. Right. And I think that she's, we've talked about her before. She's awesome. She played Tanya Harding and I, Tanya. But so she basically, Produced this movie also in addition to starring starring in it. And they hired this woman, Kathy to direct it. And it turned out that like this particular story, and maybe it's like on the strength of the story, the direction, I think it all just came together, is about her character, Harley Quinn, and then these three other women who are also seeking justice, revenge, clarity, and truth in the world, whatever, you know, superhero stuff. And they kind of team up and it's so awesome. <laughs> it is stylish. It's super cool to like just watch like visually and so the form of it is really it's beautifully done. It's funny and it's fast-paced and it's compelling. And I just had a like a really wonderful time watching it and like I was thinking about it and I'm like this movie like she should be up for like best actress. Like this should be up for best cinematography. It's like a romp. I would describe it as a romp. But I I really enjoyed it. I think that even if you're not into like superhero movies, if you just like like fun kind of kooky, fast paced, exciting, funny movies, you will enjoy it. And Ewan McGregor plays the villain and he's kind of like a weirdo in it. And he's really entertaining. The Old Guard was also in it in its own way a superhero movie this year. And that was also directed by a woman of color, Gina Prince-Flythwood. So I think it's really cool that these two movies that are pretty well regarded and kind of got a lot of acclaim. we are both directed by women of color. I really enjoyed so, the old yeah, art as I well. Just,
0: well, I don't have a romp for you, but I do have a rom-com. The half of it? Have you seen it?
1: I haven't seen it, but I have seen Alice Wu's first picture, Saving Face, that she did like a long time ago, which was also like kind of a like quirky rom-com.
0: Please tell me more. So I loved it. This is about (laughs) this nerdy girl. She's a ghost writer for a football player. She usually like helps him with his homework and his essays. And that's how she makes a little extra money on the side from her classmates. But he asked her to write some romantic love notes to a girl. Like Cyrano. And they both end up having a crush on her, the football player and our protagonist. And you just start pulling for her. You're like, oh man, I hope this all works out for you. There's a lot of angst.
1: I love that. Yeah, and they're it's, also like, it, it's, it's like a friendship too, right? Like, doesn't she become like genuinely like friends with the football player also? Yes,
0: they develop a beautiful yeah. friendship. An unlikely I love that. friendship.
1: Yes, I have to add that to my list. That was one that I meant to watch. I was just telling Sarah that my boyfriend is away. And so I'm watching all the things that he like won't watch with me. That is one of them. Um, you have another rom-com yes, that, on your list that here. Wonderful, I do. Palm Springs. I loved Palm Springs. Um, Me too. If you haven't seen it, yeah, it was on Hulu. It's Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, who is um, she's the mother from How I Met Your Mother. She's been in a few things. She's a Tony Award winner. But it's it's a uh, it's a time travel rom-com essentially, and. It's really, it's really, really fun because it's really genuinely funny, um, which I think is missing sometimes from like rom-coms is the com, right? Um, so it's super, super funny, but then you spend the other p- time like outside of being like fa- kind of falling in love with the characters. Then you are sitting there trying to figure out what the time travel thing is, right? Like you then are wrapped up you're like, how did this happen? And it works. I, I think that the thing about it, and I think that the trick to a lot of time travel type stuff is that you have to believe it. Right. Uh, and I think that this movie did a really good job of like world building and making you believe, you know, the concepts that they were sort of going for time travel wise.
0: In and another I think I got, year you know, I might not have bought in quite as much as I did, but given the groundhog day nature of 2020, <laughs> I was like ready yes. for it. Absolutely. And um, I read a really cool interview with the
1: writer who was saying like they kind of took the idea from Groundhog Day and then wanted to, you know, not copy it, but sort of just like twist it into something else. So it is definitely inspired, but it is
0: very much its own thing, I think. Yes. My next pick was not a soothing watch by any stretch. It's called (laughs) Class Action Park. It's on HBO. There's this eccentric billionaire in the 80s who starts his own amusement park and it's got a lot of like wet, hot American summer vibes. There's a bunch of teens operating heavy machinery and <laughs> kind of absentmindedly uh, looking out for the safety of all of the park's patrons.
1: But people go-
0: And it's a, it's explicit, a documentary.
1: Did be, but, I don't know if you said that, but like to be very clear, it's not fiction. <laughs>
0: right. This is and a real people, thing that happened people go for the explicit purpose of getting hurt. Like they want to leave with a battle scar. And it really spoke to me as this 80s trope of what it means to be a tough guy or a punk. I walked away feeling as if I had gotten a bad scrape on my knee or something. You know, it really conveys that sense of discomfort.
1: Absolutely. I think it's like also, and I talk about this in the movie, it's definitely the like the tough guy 80s thing, but it's also just the idea that the 80s were kind of like a wild, wild west time, right? Where like people were kind of like doing whatever they wanted. Um, one of my favorite lines in the movie is Allison Becker. Um, she played Shana Balway, Tweet on Parks and Recreation. She appears in like commercials and stuff. She used to go there when she was young and she says, imagine like teenagers, you know, right now, just like opening up a water park and running it. And she's like, that's what it was. And so like Sarah was saying, this billionaire guy was in charge of it. But like, really, he let all these kids run it.
0: And he was not some sort of physicist or architect. So he's coming up with these rides that are unfeasible or and totally unsafe. And he just hands them hundred dollar bills. And he's like, all right, kid, go try it out. Absolutely. It's the best. There's one
1: part that i was telling sarah that i was like in tears i was laughing so hard they go, they they kind of take it like through each like of the major attractions and they sort of explain what they were and what kind of um ensued you know around each one and there's one called the colorado river ride which someone was they were they're kind of saying they're like you know there's these big ones that they talk about the alpine slide right which is the one that like more than one person died on and the Tarzan, that's like Tarzan jump where they can like jump off in the water. But the Colorado Riverwide was the one that just like um, you were saying, Sarah, where it's one of those ones where like you can get on a raft, like at uh, like at other water parks, with, like eight people. Right. And you sit on one big raft and you go down like a river. And that is the ride where at one point they're showing footage of all the people sort of like stopped up and just like stuck and how then people would get in fights because at what they say, they're like, this ride was not engineered or designed in any way. Like It just was like the side of a hill that they put a water slide on. But my favorite part is when they say, you know, the original idea for the Colorado River ride is it's it was going to be um, a lazy river. And then someone is like, yeah, but we did a bunch of test rides and people came back unconscious. And I was like, what? So you guys, you got to watch this movie. I really also liked the way that they sort of intertwined the like um, animation to, to show everything yes. too. That was like very 80s to me also.
0: It, it's like a pretty heavy subject matter where you have people who actually died. And so or, like got like, using animation, injured, yeah. I thought, helped you to understand like just how gruesome some of these structures were.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Your first pick for your top 2020 music is what I like to write to. It's so like, like fuzzy music for me. You know what I mean? It just takes me to a dreamlike state.
1: Absolutely. So Tame Impala is one of my favorite bands. They released a new album this year called the slow rush, um, which even the title of it, right? Like the slow rush, like that's exactly what you just described. But what I had, like, I was trying to think of like how to explain why I love it. And I was like, Bands aren't cool anymore. Like, rock and roll bands are not cool anymore. But, like, you know who's cool? Tame Impala. They're so cool. Their name is cool. Their, like, aesthetic is cool. But that's exactly what it is. They are, they're, like, I wouldn't say that they're, like, rock and roll, but they have elements of it, right? They're, like, low-key disco rock, I guess. Like, it's a very, they have a really interesting, cool vibe. They're so cool. That's exactly what it is. They're so cool. I like that disco is coming back. Dua Lipa brought back a little bit of disco too. And I I love that for us, for everyone.
0: Um, Tame Sarah puts me in this state of creative flow, which reminds me of my number one, Taylor Swift. (laughs) Guess what it is. (laughs) My husband asked me, like, who is it that you're friends with that's like also really into Taylor Swift? Like, did somebody, you know bond with you over your love of her. And I said, no, my friends are all so cool. Taylor Swift is like the most eager, lovely (laughs) uh embrace to my soul. And I used to call her a guilty pleasure, but she's not. I just have an undying passion for her. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I don't think like I I don't I don't like the use of guilty pleasure for anything though. Like if you take pleasure in something then you simply do. Oh she is an embrace of you. She loves you.
0: Her ability to do some storytelling that also has this like autobiographical feel in its own right, but at the same time as a fairy tale, I just I really enjoy it. And my favorite song on the album that she surprised dropped a couple weeks ago is called "Ivy," the second one, right? Yes, so she dropped a second album in quarantine. She is having a very productive
1: <laughs> well, because that this, so Evermore was essentially like the like songs
0: that she had written this, like with the other set of songs, right? They're and then just not. was like she met up with her collaborators, Jack Antonoff and the guy from the national. They were filming this Disney plus live show, essentially, oh, yeah, and yeah. and they continued so- to write songs while they were there. And this album came together. She wrote one of the songs less than a week before she released it. She's just feeling prolific. That's crazy. And one of the um, songs has some real chicks vibe. No, so if you want to tell us. Yeah. Your
1: next pick. Oh my God. Gaslighter. Such a good album. Um, A lot of people, I think, like, they dropped the song, "Gaslighter," And then they dropped a few singles. Um, I got the whole album. I bought the CD (laughs) because I buy CDs. Um, Sarah knows the auxiliary cord and my car doesn't work. But I do have a CD player. So I buy CDs if I, like, really want to hear songs. I do listen to the radio, too. But, like, if I really want to hear a CD, I will buy it. And the whole album is really good. My note on this was I will fight Adrian Pazdar myself that is her that so the chicks are made up of three members natalie mains is the vocalist and one of the primary songwriters and she was married for many years to adrian pasler who's an actor um he was one of the main characters on heroes and they got divorced a few years ago and she wrote about it <laughs> and um so like the song gaslighter itself is about him gaslighter deny- Timer, repeating all of the mistakes of your father. but there is a track on this album called tights on my boat that is so unbelievably fun and it is about the girl who left her tights on natalie's boat that adrian brought there yes and so this writer and comedian i guess he's not really as much of a writer but yeah he writes comedy but he's like a comedian he does all these videos that i love caleb here on He's so funny. He had a shirt on one time in like an Instagram post and it was like, Adrian Pazdar, like fight me, Adrian Pazdar. And I was like, I got to get that. But the whole album is great. It's their first album in a few years, like many years. I love them so much. I'm like speechless. There's some really good ones and I'm just glad that they're like back in full force, you know?
0: As am I. And Taylor Swift and Haim, is it Hamerheim?
1: I have always said Haim because that's like how you would say their name like in like in
0: Hebrew. Uh, um, but I think that they just say Haim hey, now. Um, well, Taylor Swift look, and Haim, yeah. <laughs> Yes. They did They're a so collaboration fun. called Nobody, No Crime. Yep. Is constantly being compared now to Goodbye Earl. Yeah. By the Chicks. Yeah, it's a so, fun song. Definitely. My second pick is also like kind of a 90s iconic throwback fiona apple released a new album it's called fetch the bolt cutters and it just has this strong rhythm she like at one point just starts making dolphin noises it's very primal and she just shows off her unbridled self-expression
1: yeah i i second this one too that was what it's it's good like that you added things and i was like oh i could do different things because i was like i want to do fiona and then i was like this is perfect we can just talk about how much we love her It's really interesting. She kind of so her the last album she had before Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Is it the one <laughs> that's one of those the ones higher? Like the uh The Idler Wheel. No, When the Pond. So she had When yeah, the Pond, which is thinking. like from the 90s. But this one is the idler wheel, the idler wheel is wise, and then the driver of the screw and the whipping cords will serve you if something, something, something. But she did something really interesting. Oh, actually, it's not the last track. Oh, I think Largo's a Buddhist arc. So Sarah, you were saying about like the rhythms and the patterns and stuff like that. And so this album that she had previously released was more similar to like her older stuff, but like, you know, still like very much her vibe, same as the new one. I think it was like originally the last song on it. I think Largo is a bonus track. Maybe not though, but there's a track on that album called Hot Knife, which I feel it was sort of like a precursor to this one. And it has very much that like repetitive, like, interesting like rhythm rhythmic motion to it it's very like the song moves
0: i like that we've grown up with fiona and we've seen her evolution and when i think of someone like taylor swift usually her albums have these big rollouts and she Mm -hmm. introduces a new era with each album and this time she released two albums in very quick succession succession (laughs) and they both are sister albums. They have this folky vibe to them that I love. that yeah. it doesn't have to be a big production prepared for the stadium Definitely. every time she decides to release new music. It's not quite as contrived. In Instead terms of, of things you know, you've been reading, are there articles mm. or books that you love this year?
1: So Melissa Mayers wrote perfect book just for me. Um, A lot of you may know that one of my favorite movies is Dazed and Confused. I wrote my college admissions essay on it. I have seen it as much or more than pretty much any movie in my life, like tens and tens and tens of times. Um, And so she did an oral history of the making of the film if you are interested in either that particular movie or just filmmaking in general and want like sort of an inside look, it's really awesome. She talked to like everyone. like And that movie is, uh, it's an ensemble film. So the cast is huge. And a lot of those people are not even actors anymore. And she got all of them and they just tell these great stories of the typical stuff of like how it was made and how they related to each other and all that stuff. But then they start talking about like how they were, you know, they were all like, 20 years old so all of them it was like a summer camp of people who were yes who were like you know sleeping with each other and with everyone else and falling in love and all of this stuff it's really funny even like and you get this sense kind of going moving through it too like where the actors were like in a different space like Richard Linklater directed it all of these people are talking about what a great time they had and he's like I almost died (laughs) because he actually had to make the movie you know but it's really great. I love oral histories sort of in general, whether it's like a long form one, like a book like this. Um, one of my favorite books is Live from New York, which is an oral history of SNL starting from the beginning, but it's just, a, it's really, it's really a fun read. It's a great, like, I just, snapshot. you guys can't see me. Yes. I just did that thing where like you take like a photo with your, like act out taking a photo with your hands. Yeah. It's just a great snapshot of that, like, that very particular time in those people's lives, which is really cool. And so you have the people who had, you know, six lines in the movie and then you have like Ben Affleck talking. So it's really awesome. Highly recommend. Sarah, you had um, a great read for your first choice.
0: Yeah. One of my favorites too. I picked out two magazine stories that I loved, both kind of personal essays. The first was by Lissandra Orstrom for Vanity Fair. It was called mm-hmm. Ivanka was my best friend. Now she's MAGA royalty. And it was like a frank recounting of Ivanka as a middle schooler in like a little yeah. bit high school too. She has plenty of commentary on Ivanka's dad and the way that he treated her. The author was a girl who did not fit like the, the, the 90s gossip girl body stereotype.
1: Right. But I think it was also very much like they went to a school that was essentially
0: like those, like those like Upper East Side type of girls. Right. They went to a very, so I don't even think it was school, private school. Yeah. But what I'm saying is she was a bigger girl. Like, how do I say that? Oh, yeah.
1: You can just say like, she's, she's bigger than her friends. She's like, fatter than Ivanka. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. You could say that. Uh, It's okay to like acknowledge that people's bodies are their bodies. Right, Sarah? Well, that's exactly what she
0: does. But Donald Trump, she's like, this is the body I live in. And Donald Trump is constantly commenting on her weight as like a 13 year old girl. Whenever she comes over, he says like, oh, she doesn't need dessert. He's just constantly nagging her about her body. And she's Ivanka's best friend. But Ivanka is treating her like trash. And yeah. there's one anecdote in particular that I thought was so great where Ivanka farts <laughs> and she yes. blames it on one of her classmates. And the author is yeah. just like, oh, my God. If ever there was an indication yeah, like of someone's girl. character, it was that moment.
1: I thought it was really interesting because it does seem like for a while there that they did have, like, a real genuine close friendship and that they, like, there was a time in their lives when they were, like, truly, like, friends. They traveled together and they did things together that like they shared and it seemed like that was real. And then there were other times like you were just saying where it wasn't even just like her body type. It was like she, you know, she was a little she didn't like she wasn't as like glamorous. She didn't wear as much like it doesn't seem like she like wanted to wear as much makeup or she had like curly hair, right? Where sometimes it almost felt like Ivanka was like keeping her around so that she would look
0: by compar seem
1: even yeah, like just like hotter and cooler or whatever. Okay, here's Um, what I wanna
0: say. She doesn't fit
1: the Barbie mold, which Ivanka has clearly
0: strived for.
1: Yeah, she fixed that nose up real quick.
0: And okay, so on a similar note, (laughs) my other pick is Emily Ratajkowski's beautiful essay from New York Magazine. I know we talked about this. It's called On Reclaiming Her Own Image. And I think I underestimated her. I thought she was just an Instagram model. But she writes this striking piece about taking – her image back she's like feels like this emotional theft has happened to her as a result of sexual assault but also the literal co-opting of her image and so she regains her dignity by being able to buy back the actual physical photo and she tells the story of a really entitled photographer and holds him accountable for something he thought he got away with with a young model
1: Because then he was not only the person who assaulted her, but then like you were saying, he took these images of her and like monetized them and published like four books of just like pictures that he took of
0: her. It essentially became his only successful body of work. Right. Um, And I think
1: that this article was really, really, like you said, beautifully written, but I also think it was something that she needed to get out, right? Like she, it's like, it was something that felt like she had to, express it. And then just a few months later, or like a little while later, she announced she was pregnant. And I really think for her, part of it was like, before I deal with this massive change in my body and people are going to notice it, and I'm like bringing a child into the world, I have to take it back. And I don't know if those things are connected, but like something about that, like to me, you know, like felt really organic where she was
0: just like, I need to tell this story. Yeah, Um, she already deserved our respect. But reading that yes. essay really, for me, brought it into focus. Brought her into focus yes. as like a fully fleshed out woman with plenty. Absolutely, to say. she's more than just. I mean, a influencer. Yes,
1: and I remember when she was cast. She's a um, small part in Gone Girl. Oh, not that small. But I remember when she was cast, and I was like, "Oh, the girl from the Blurred Lines video." I was like, "Oh, did they just cast her because she's like super hot?" And she, her performance is actually really good. If you, if you, if anyone watches Gone Girl again rewatch highly recommend but she has not an insubstantial role and she's a pretty good actor if she like went back to that I would be like cool actually so you just reminded me about something else that I had read earlier this year and then reread the other day speaking of pregnancy that reminded me of it um and it was about a woman who wanted a free birth which means which doesn't just mean like a home birth with a midwife it means like a completely Um, like medical professional free birth. Um, It was an NBC News article by Brandy Zadrozny. And I had read it when it came out and she was just like tweeting out stuff that she was proud of from this year the other day. So I reread it because I remember really liking it. And it's basically this woman's story about how she brainwashed herself with all of these like Facebook groups that were all about free birth and how like doctors and midwives even are like not, and doulas are like not to be trusted because the process of birth is like a spontaneous body reaction and it's not like a medical thing. And it was really interesting because I totally understand if the the article is really nicely written where you really empathize with this woman who fell into this world and also just women in general who want to take ownership of something like childbirth. Right. Um, But at the same time, it does bring into focus the fact that like it is something that is a trauma to your body and like, does need medical attention, um, but it's just a really deep dive into this world on the internet of fr- the free birth movement and how these women will encourage each other to like, uh, like you know, stick it out, avoid whatever. And so this woman ended up carrying her baby way over term because she refused to be induced and ended up with a, a stillbirth at like 44 oh, weeks or no. something. It's really, really sad. And they talk about there's a few other people that this has happened to, it's sort of just all about this one woman, but then about this—the idea of like, how do we balance the fact that they do want to, you know, be the person in charge of giving birth? And on a News, letter yeah, note, I'll, though,
0: I'll send it to you. I see that <laughs> your uh, Dracula Twitter thread is still <laughs> fresh in your mind. I talked about this early in quarantine. I'm not going to d- deep dive into it again. There
1: was a woman on Twitter who read the book Dracula and decided to like live tweet it and it was just one of the like funniest things I've ever read um and it ended up being you know she starts at the beginning and it ends up being like 400 tweets long and it really was like a piece of like she this woman wrote with such style
0: another twitter rabbit hole you sent me down last night was that of Hilaria Baldwin Hilaria Hilaria Baldwin. I actually think that we should like hold off on
1: getting too deep into this because I think we should dedicate like a whole episode to it or at least Agreed. half of an episode.
0: So I uh, hope everyone yes. will catch up. But the overview is essentially, oh my it's Alec Baldwin's wife. Yeah. she they've <laughs> been married for 10 years now-ish. She has Fine. been masquerading as a Spanish citizen oh. when in fact she grew up in our area right here in beautiful Massachusetts. Yeah.
1: So, first of all, her name is not Ilaria; It's <laughs> Hillary. Her given name is Hillary. And like all these people who went to high school with her at this like prep school in, in Weston are like, yeah, she was super sweet. I really liked her. She was definitely just like a regular white girl with no accent. That was <laughs> the cutest thing. <laughs> like, about that's it like how people. Like, are, like, oh, Hillary? She's so nice. She's so nice. Um, And she does seem like a nice person. But, yeah, so basically, like, he married her think uh, like, 2011 or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time seeing her and then reading her name and being like, is her name Hilaria? Like, I thought that it was, like, just, like, waspy. I don't know. Um, well, her like-
0: family in 2012 moved to Spain. She married Alec yes. Baldwin in 2011 I think I think that's the problem
1: is that she has she's done this accent it disappears it goes in and out um like some people's accents do but the thing is is that she and she also in one interview said I moved to New York when I was 19 to go to NYU and she was implying that she moved to New York from Spain right and that I think is people's issue is like it's okay if you like your you vacationed in Spain a ton as a kid and like you like Spanish names like whatever right Um, Because all five of her children have like very Spanish names. But it's a, I think it's an entirely other thing to like maybe darken your hair and tan your skin a little
0: bit and say that your name is Ilaria. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, I was right there with her. I was like, you know, when I hang out with people from Worcester, my accent is more pronounced. I get that. And then I saw the clip of her on the Today Show going, how you call it in English, cucumber? Just like making fun of someone Yeah, she was impersonating yeah. an English language learner
1: yes so and we are educators and that is ridiculous but yes we'll do there's a lot to this there's like a lot of pieces to the whole thing and we'll talk more about it but it's just crazy someone was like we someone on Twitter was like we deserve this like we deserve yeah. to have this this fun um well, but yes our that little was a big grab one. bag
0: of top pop culture stories that's definitely yes. a big one in recent yes. memory but i also have harry and megan on here
1: big deal that was huge i forgot that that was like 2020 where they were like bye that was a big deal i was actually just reading yesterday if people don't know harry and megan like prince harry is you know the spare he's like fifth in line now or something to be the king of england but he married megan markle who is an american and they essentially like they want to kind of be normal people <laughs> normal people um, but yeah, I was just reading how they had lent the cottage, Frogmore Cottage that they had been living in to Princess Eugenie, who's his cousin. And they were like, hey, you can raise your family here if you want. We're not going to use this place. Um, and this was a, like, a cottage that they had renovated with like two and a half million taxpayer dollars, um, which they did pay back. They announced that they paid it back, which is cool, I guess. <laughs> but usually has now moved out. They didn't want it. And so someone was like, what's wrong with this place? Like, is it haunted? Curse. Um, so that's my my recent Harry and Meghan bit. Oh, yeah, there's oh a lot my. going on. Yeah, Hilar- Ilaria.
0: I also love The Last Dance. We got a lot of great Michael Jordan content. I love Absolutely. the Bow, which we've talked about a bit, but it's like um yep. a cult based out of Albany called Nexium that was dismantled this year in more than one documentary.
1: Yeah, so the whole, I think, like, Nexium as a whole is a good moment, right? I want to brush a little bit on Guy Fieri, who was sort of this, or still kind of is, sort of like a joke guy, right? Like, I used to actually really enjoy watching Diners, Drivers, and Dives, just, like, as one of those shows that I would put on, like, in the background. Because I like to see the food that he goes to eat. But he's sort of, you know... He's such an over-the-top, like, he seems like a joke. He has that, like, bleach blonde hair. And he wears shirts with flames on them. And everyone's like, oh, this guy. And as time has gone on, even before a little bit this year, people are like, oh, you know, he had a sister who was a lesbian. So he, on one day, um, officiated 100 gay weddings, which is cool. Like, he's just done cool stuff. And he's uh, done a lot for, he's from the Bay Area. Um, this year in particular, though, he's teamed up with Jose Andres. And he has, like, Personally, raised like twenty one million dollars or something for folks in the restaurant industry, just for guys, which is really cool. Honestly, and everyone who knows him seems to think he's a really nice guy. So I'm like all about it. I think that he's just like earnest in whatever his like pursuits are. He's he's kind of fun. He likes to eat and he likes to wear flames and that's cool. I think
0: twenty. <laughs> know. You know? like we said with Taylor Swift is a year where we can embrace the eager among us. One of my favorite podcasts is called Good One and they sort mm-hmm. of examine how different jokes function, how they work, what their beats are, how they were written. And one of the best episodes this year was Shane Torres and he has a joke defending Guy Fieri.
1: I love it. Oh, no, Shane Torres. I'm looking him up right now.
0: My other favorite episode of Good One (laughs) this year was a Burt Kreischer joke called The Machine. It is a must listen.
1: I love Burt Kreischer. If you guys don't know him, he's sort of like a husky guy. He's very, very funny. For him, I feel like so much of his strength is in his delivery, his phrasing. He also has a show on Netflix called The Cabin. I don't know if you've seen it at all, Sarah, but each episode is just like him and like four people that he's like kind of friends with just like going to a cabin
0: he um, talks about and hanging the out. Episode.
1: Yes, it's really good. So that's another another good one.
0: I see you mentioned John Mulaney.
1: John Mulaney has had such a roller coaster of a year. Yeah. So Mulaney is one of my favorite people in the whole entire world. So he earlier this year released a children's special called John Mulaney and the Sacklinch Bunch, which is just an absolute weird delight he basically was like, I am a childless man, uh, an intentionally childless man. And I decided to make a like kid special basically in the style of like the variety specials that he watched as a child, like in the eighties. Um, and it's like an hour long and it's just like, like there's little sketches and songs and David Byrne is in it and Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. And it's a whole thing. Um, so he did that and people loved that and it, it was really quite fun um, and then he got kind of bored. He said, I need some structure. So he got a job as a writer, like a staff writer on late night with Seth Myers. <laughs> Um, And then last week, uh, it was announced that he had entered rehab for alcohol and cocaine addiction. And I think a lot of people were surprised because he's like a guy, he wears a suit on stage. He's very wholesome looking but he has actually talked a lot in stand up and in other places about the fact that like he got sober when he was like 23, because as he described it, he was like, I used to be the guy at parties who got so drunk, he ruined them. And he says it like as a joke, but you know, you can take it as you want to. He talks about how he was like sweating out ecstasy at his college graduation. Um, and I think that, I think that that's a good sort of encapsulation of just like this year was hard for a lot of people for, many, many reasons. Right. And so I think addiction, uh, people who, you know, who deal with addiction had a really tough go and continue to, because of, you know, whatever's going on with isolation or stress, it can be really easy to be like, Oh, you know, like a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to drink cause I have nothing else to do. And so when you are someone who can't do that, it can be very difficult to not. Yeah. So but he, well, like, I like I said, he had some highs this year too.
0: Bringing it full circle, we started the episode with the, uh singing your praises for helping me out mm-hmm. while my little family was in need. Here, I hope that we'll all be looking out for each other. You know, especially yes. as well, we're you in this final stretch look out for me. Yes. Oh my um, God. Well, just I hope we'll all be willing to ask for help when we need it. My yeah. real rock star to the last couple of weeks has been my stepdad. He made us dinners. He brought us the yellow oh, trash bags. He's and we did so have great. Leave the house. Oh my gosh. So that's you got to so just be so grateful for all of the people who have your back and then we have to repay the favor.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that's why like, you know, you were saying like, oh, I helped you with this or that. And it's really just because like, that's our relationship. That's where we are. We just do that stuff for each other because they're best friends. It I love like having people
0: I can count on and Molly. Yeah. You're always there for me. So <laughs> thanks for another great year. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for throwing me a birthday party this year. Oh, In, in a pandemic. I know. A very yeah, responsible think, birthday party. <laughs> it, it was. No, it really was. Um, yeah. One of my favorite people, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> He, he won an Oscar and one of the things he said that I like I honestly want to get a tattoo of it people are like we are obsessed with him but one of the things he says is like gratitude reciprocates it's so simple and it's just so real though it's like the reason that I would do anything for you like if like when you needed stuff is because like I know that that's just like you know something that you have or would have done for me you guide me through my life so
0: right back at you kid <laughs> Yay! All right. Well, I love you, Miss Molly.
1: <laughs> Miss I love Ocon. you too. This is a good way. Yeah,
0: this is yeah. a good way to end this. To <laughs> be yes. like, what's I got? And I believe we're doing a little guest spot on food and <laughs> yeah tomorrow. So with all the we'll folks. be so future. fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Excellent. Fabulous. Well, I have been Sarah. I have been Molly.
0: And this is Poppet.
1: This is Poppet. I just burped. <laughs> You can leave that in if you want.